communion time. It was interesting. Dad called me this morning and reminded me I was on communion. And I was sitting there. And so I typically just start reading Corinthians. We all know communion. is found in, One of them is found in 1 Corinthians 11. And it starts talking about all this stuff. So I started reading before it. I typically like to read before it and after it. And once again, I think the Lord showed me something neat that I'd never seen before. Even though I've read it, I don't know, maybe 50 times, 100 times, I don't know. Um, he spends 15 verses talking about, well, first he says he thanks the Lord for everybody. What I think is a good time to do, even when we're, we're dealing with stuff. It's always, we thank the Lord for each of us because we have each other to work with. I think that's important. The second thing is he spends 15 verses talking about men, women, hair, covering, praying, and prophesying. What to do, how to be covered or uncovered and stuff like that. And then he goes on to talk about uh, communion, which just jumps right into communion. And then he jumps right through that and starts talking about eating and drinking and not coming hungry and, and it's better not to do that. And then he finishes it by saying, there's some more stuff, but I'll get to that when I get there. And I thought, wow, what are we supposed to do? I mean, there seemed like a whole lot in there. And then I started thinking it was a letter written to him. And I started thinking about some of the things that, you know, if I was writing a letter, it may not be, you know, just all one thing. And then I started thinking, God wants us to be here when we're here. When he calls us here, he doesn't want me there. When he's calling me to do a specific work, it's not, it, it's amazing what happens. And I thought about this. When we do the things that we want to do, there doesn't seem to be very many distractions. I went over to gaming last night, and it's amazing. My phone doesn't really go off. My mind doesn't wander. I can really focus. You know, get me this morning in church. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, okay, you know, I, I, I'm kind of, you know, a couple minutes ago, I'm, I'm starting to review kind of just things in my mind. What's going on? You know, how am I going to share different stuff? And, 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 and Ethan's kicking Nathaniel and Catherine's leaning over and, you know, and, and I look around and it just seems like there's all these kind of stuff going in. That's where the devil's coming because we're on the right track. So we ought to start watching when there isn't that many distractions. We probably should be cha-ching light bulb going off that where are we? I started thinking about David. We're supposed to be doing what God has us to do. And a lot of times we take a lot of scriptures and twist them around. And I was reading about the, you know, you can do all things through Christ. It's amazing. You can read the stuff before it and after it. And it does say that, but it really doesn't say it like the way we just take it out of context and just say, we can do all things. So I'm going to go climb Mount Everest and I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do this and we're going to name it for the Lord. It's not like that. What was David doing when he was when Samuel came to anoint a king? He was tending the sheep. And after he was anointed, he was sent back to tend the sheep. And a lot of times we think, well, wait a minute. I've got a calling on my life. Where am I supposed to be? You're supposed to be doing what God has you called right now. Now, as we go through and we can look through the whole thing of David's life, did he do mighty works? Absolutely. You know, he went and, and uh, you know, he killed a lion and a bear. Well, that'd be pretty good in my book. And then he went to take, you know, stuff to, the, to, to his brothers and ended up seeing Goliath and ended up rising up and killing Goliath. And he had to take a lot of those things that we would put on people and put them aside. 
He had to be, okay, fine, David, you're going to go try that. Okay, well, you've got to take all the armor. You know, that's not what I've been trained in. God puts us in places with the training that he has so we can do stuff. So as I'm thinking through David's life and I'm looking through all that, I started thinking, there's a lot of distractions going on. And when did he fall? Man after God's own heart. When did he fall into temptation? When he wasn't out doing what he was supposed to be doing. He wasn't doing anything wrong. But he just wasn't doing what God had called him to do at that time. Or what, as the man, uh, the man of war, what he was supposed to be doing. And so I started looking in Corinthians, and I started reading through that, and it starts talking about all the stuff that we shouldn't be doing with communion. It says very little of that is actually, do this as, un, as a remembrance as unto the Lord. You know, whenever you gather together. And then, and then it goes on, you drink unworthily. You know, that's why some people are sick. That's why some people are dead. Yada, 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 yada. And how many times do we take, right now, it's communion time. We should be focused on what God did for us. He died on the cross. We are taking this time, we set aside this time to talk about communion and what it is for us. Now, that's nice for today. That's nice for right now. And we need to give ourselves wholeheartedly and 100% to that. And when we start passing around the communion and we take a couple of minutes and we think about those things, we should be thinking about um, what it talks about. If anybody has sin against each other, we should go to that person and we shouldn't take communion if we don't have that. We should think about those kind of things. That's when the time is for that. And when we get done with communion and Victor gets up and starts sharing, then it's the time for that. It's not the time for me to be thinking about communion stuff when I'm hearing the message. Because then when I'm hearing the message... God, or Satan is robbing me of what Victor's trying to share. And when we get done here and we go downstairs and eat, I don't know how many people were here. Oh, you guys were not here that Wednesday. That was pretty good. It was interesting. It blew our image. Don blew our image of, of Jesus. When he read us a scripture, what were you talking about? Eating and drinking heartily? And, and, he, and he painted a picture of, they thought he was a wine bibber. Must have been he was drinking some. No one's accused me of being a wine-bibber. Also, eating heartily, he was probably filling up. You know, he might not have been the lean picture that we all think of Jesus, you know, on that little blonde-haired, you know, guy. But it kind of, he did everything heartily as unto the Lord. And I think a lot of times we, we take those concepts of what it is when we go downstairs and eat. Are we supposed to fill up and, and just stuff ourselves to the gut? Maybe not. But it's a really good concept of what are we here to do? We're here to fellowship, and we're here to share this together. And when we leave from here, what are we doing then? And we got worship practice. And a lot of times what happens to me on Sunday morning, I'm thinking, what do I got to do when I get out of here? Oh, I'm going to go shopping this afternoon, and then I got to hurry back because I got worship practice, and I got men's me. Oh, man, you know, and the Cardinals are playing tonight at 630, so how in the world is all that going to work? You know, we have all those things. And what happens is if we don't rein in our brain, then what's going to happen is we are going to be robbed of communion, worship, the meeting, the, uh, the lunch afterwards, time with the brethren, the worship practice, and then the men's meeting. And we're going to say all six of those. And then we're going to think, you know what? We're wondering, why just doesn't things just feeling right? We've just been robbed of six things that God wants us to do. And you know what? I'm going to sit down tonight. And I'm glad I got TiVo. I am really glad. 
because I probably still will watch the game tonight. But you know what's amazing? I know that when I sit down, I'm not going to be thinking about what happened in communion and what happened in church. Now, that's not right. We should be forcing ourselves to start thinking the other way. And when we don't have distractions, we need to start worrying, where am I? Because I probably am not where God wants me to be. Because God, if we're doing what God wants us to do, the devil is going to be moving. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, a lot of stuff's been going on in our family lately and stuff. And it's just kind of, you know, stuff's going on at work and everything. And it's just kind of like, you know, Janice and I were talking about the other day. I think it was with Donna May Lee. It's like, that's good. That's good. I like to see stuff going on. Because you know what? That means God's moving. When everything is just nice and easy, we wonder, you know, we're really not doing what God wants us to do because Satan's happy with where we're at. So we need to think this morning, when we, when we talk about communion here in a second, when they come up and, and, and share it and we read about what it is. This is a time, I was teaching my kids in, in, in worship, great time to work, talk about, you know, this is a time we, we lift up our hands. Great song, especially when we're singing a song that says, lift up our hands, you know, or, you know, you're dancing. It's a really good thing to teach our kids how to dance when it says, when the Spirit of the Lord moves in my heart, I will dance. You know, it's a really good time. But, you know, we fight those things. It's hard. But, you know, teaching them, this is how we raise our hands and why we raise our hands and different things like that and and how we show respect in church. Those are times for that. When we come into the communion time, now what are we doing with our heart? Worship is a great time to till up those things in our hearts, to till up that fallow ground. We come in here, we're rushing, we're doing different stuff. You know what? Okay, let's slow down. Half an hour, nice worship. You know, God's softening my heart. What's He trying to show me? Now we're talking about communion. God dying on the cross for us. This is the time that we remember why we are here. We are here to accept thanks for Him dying on the cross for me. I can't do anything in myself. I have to thank the Lord that He died on the cross, and this is the time that I'm going to remember that. Now, if we have kids around, if we have, you know, spouses and different stuff, you know, it's not a bad time. Remind us each other. We go over these things. We were talking about in men's meeting. Sometimes we go over... We agree with things and don't, don't know what they mean anymore. You know, we agree that we're coming together for communion, but our kids don't know what communion's about. Shame on me that all the kids don't know. Because it may not be my responsibility to teach all the kids, but it sure is my responsibility to teach my kids. And it is my responsibility to work with the men that all the other kids should know that too. And I think as we come and, and, and take these couple of minutes when we're serving communion, just examine our hearts. We'll read that scripture. You can turn to it if you want to. First uh, Corinthians 11. It starts in verse 23. It says, For I have received from the Lord which also I have delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup, which he had supped, saying, Take this cup as a New Testament in my blood. This do you often, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Let's think about that in the next couple of minutes when we have some nice soft music playing in the background. Let's not be distracted by what else is everybody else is going on and 
boy, that person sure should be repentant. How come that person's taking communion? That's all I do when I judge people. It's hard for me to get up here and share communion because I'm looking at everybody in the flesh. I know all your problems. How come you're taking communion? You know what the Lord says? How come you're taking communion? You know, we need to examine ourselves. Take that moat out of our eye before we start taking the speck out of each other's. And then let's just examine ourselves and let's take communion together. And then together we can all do it remembrance that Jesus died on the cross and that we have the ability to come together. Servers can come forward. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be with your brethren today, Lord. Brothers and sisters that all call you king. We thank you for the opportunity to see in a new way, Lord, what you did for us. You died on the cross, that we can be saved, that we can walk together with others around us to serve you. Not through my works, but through what you did on the cross, Lord. your name, amen. Let's partake of his body and blood together. Amen. I thought we sang some good songs. At least I got something out of them today. I want to talk about some of those. Got a lot to talk about today. Lord Jesus. You know, as Aaron was sharing about the communion, you know, I mean, started to talk about coming to the end of ourselves, what it means to really repent. You know, repentance isn't just, you know, when you get caught, I'm sorry. It's really coming to the end of ourselves. You know, in communion, none of us are worthy to take communion. And the very act of taking communion is coming to the end of ourselves. Because Peter, you know, Peter kind of said the same thing. You, you know, you don't, don't wash my feet. He was still in himself. It was just pride. It was just, you know, still not accepting the Lord as everything. And so coming, you know, in, in all things that God commands us to do, is just coming to the end of ourselves, saying, yeah, we're not worthy. But any of you refusing or accepting, you know, we could be worthy. We could be committing sin. You know, in ourselves, just saying, you know, Jesus was willing to take communion with Judas. You know. He knew Peter was going to deny him. You know, he knew all these things, but yet he's saying, I am. And that's where God's bringing us to a place that he is. And He needs to be all in all in our lives. And, you know, there's just stuff that goes on. You know, and God's refining us. You know, the light is to come and to show us areas where there's darkness and sin in our life. And usually, you know, our reaction is we get mad. A lot of stuff going, seems to be going on today. You know, I heard about some stuff. And I thought of a... I don't know the Scripture. I, the office was locked. I went to look at the thing. But the Scripture in the Old Testament says, And God broke out on the congregation. You know what? Right, Don? When Leviticus, Deuteronomy, something like that. Huh? Yeah. They, they did something and God just broke out and a lot of people died. Whoa. So I'd like to just thank God that He's in our midst this morning. He might be out to kill you. Thank you, Lord. So God's going to break out on us today because there's some things in your life that need to be exposed. And that's the purpose of the Word of God, the lamp unto our feet, the light of the world, is to expose some darkness. Wouldn't it be nice to just say, no, you can't wash my feet. Take it all. Wash me all. Just coming to the end of ourselves. 
You know, so, you know, so God's, God's going to be breaking out on us today. And I think more and more He's going to be breaking out. So be careful. You might have some things in your life that He has to break out and kill. So, and then we were singing, because, you know, I'm thinking about the message and so forth. Well, thou art exalted above all gods. And, you know, as we're singing that, that's a, you know, we talked about Corinthians, first, Second Corinthians, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. To the pulling down of strongholds. There's some strongholds in our minds, in our thoughts. We need to cast those down, bring every thought into subjection to Jesus Christ. And as we're singing that, you know, I'm thinking, here we are worshiping, and we're really making the Lord above all other gods. Because while we knew not God, we served other gods. You know, we have the God of self, the God of selfishness, stubbornness, self-righteousness. I'm not being treated fair. All kinds of things that go on in our life. And God needs to be exalted above all those things. They're going to be there. You're going to, you know, there's going to be some stuff. You know, as we let the children, you know, you know, Adam gets up and admonishes us. Now the children are going to worship. And the first thing we might do, talking about Wednesday night, we might scorn that statement. Oh, the children. They, you know, what do they have to worry about? Have you ever seen what the children go through in a week? They get rebuked more in a half an hour than you do the whole week. I mean, they have been hammered on, spanked, had their homework eaten by a dog. They, you know, they've been told what to wear, what to eat, when to go to bed. They can't do anything right. Some failed the test. Some, you know, tried really. They've had a week and a half. And here they are. They just, you know. They just exalted the Lord above all other gods. You know, Nathaniel, he would have a lot of reason not to be marching around here. You know, I mean, I might have some reasons. You might have some reasons of why. But we're coming to the end of ourselves. We might take communion and say, Lord, you're, you're, you're above all my gods. You're above my unworthiness. You're above my pride. You're above my stubbornness. You're above. Unless we don't give those things up, the Lord may break out on you today. See, the Lord may break out on you today. So we can either, like Jesus said, we can come and fall on the rock and be broken, or He can break out on us and we'll be broken. So in worshiping the Lord and serving Him, we're going to make Him above all other gods, bringing every thought. There's a battle going on. There's a real battle going on. And unless we enter into a relationship with the Lord... We may not survive, you know, because God has to be all in all. That's what, he's, that's what His purpose is, and that's what He's heading for. So, as we're doing that, don't know, they got so much here. And then, you know, we, we sang that song, and I shared on it once before. When the Spirit of the Lord moves in my heart, I will dance like David, dance with the Spirit of the Lord. That's a great, I mean, I like the song. I mean, I, I like the song. It's got a good name, you know. You can dance to it, and it, it's fun. We need, but we need to understand that it, it's a big lie. It's really, that song, if we're not careful, could be a charismatic expression of our unbelief. See, I'm waiting for God to do something, then I will believe. Then I will do. And that's not what God's talking about. As a matter of fact, when we're saying we're down here waiting on the Lord, we're really saying, I have to have a feeling here. But that's not what God is requiring. God wants a relationship with us. And when we get saved, we enter in from death into life, but we yet don't know Him. We don't have a relationship with Him. 
because there's some other things in the way. There might be some other gods in the way. There might be some other imaginations in the way. There might be some pride in the way. There might be, you're not going to let the Lord wash you. You might still have some righteousness. You might have an axe to grind. See, you might want to be like the guy in Ben-Hur. See, the flesh just wants revenge. The devil wants revenge. He knows his time is short. And that's why God says, watch out, earth. He's going to be wreaking havoc. Your flesh knows the thing is, it's, it's over. So be careful you're not, it's not over. Last dying breath. He's just bitter. He's just angry. And I was thinking about that when we were sharing with the kids. You know, you know what we don't do enough? And I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. We don't talk things through enough. And so we never get to the conclusion of where we want to go. Talking is a really awkward thing. I mean, for me especially. I don't like it. There's no point to it. Just tell me what you want to do and it'd be done with it. But there needs to come a place that we start talking. And usually the end of the matter is going to be better than the beginning. There's going to come some rough spots. But it seems like God wanted to do it that way. It's through the communication of our faith. And what I find is, when I'm talking with the kids on chapel and I'm preaching here, things get strengthened in my life. So at the end of the message, I finally come to the beginning. And so as we're communicating some things that may be in our heart from the Lord, they're going to get clearer and clearer as we communicate them. But if we're silent, they don't come, they don't come to volition. So in speaking these things, they're going to become clearer and clearer. So I was speaking with the children about, you know, at chapel, about, it's over, it's not over, it's not over. You know, and, and how we want to do that. We want to, that's the devil. See, that's a God that Jesus needs to be exalted above. You might have some bitterness. Well, there'd be no room for in the kingdom of God for bitterness. You might be hating your brother. Well, God said there's no room for that in the kingdom. You might be a murderer. Well, the only way I could get rid of that would be take the communion. I'd have to come to Him. I'd have to say, Lord, You've called me Your Son. No, I'm not worthy, but You're worthy. So I'm coming to the end of myself. But as I was thinking about that, that, that man saying, it's not over, something came to me. Again, communicating. Communicate. And I don't mean just idle communication. It would be nice. Now, I was watching the people here up on worship. You know, they kind of have to go through forcing themselves to be spiritual up here. You know, on, on our daily communications, we need to kind of go, okay, and if we have to, click, we're going to be fake spiritual, which really would be real spiritual, because I'm crucifying the flesh. Let's start talking about the things of God. I mean, how many times during the week do you get together and do this? Well, on Wednesday and Sunday morning. Well, that's a good start, but wouldn't it be nice to recognize the Lord in all things and be able to start speaking? Unless, if we don't, He may break out on us. So anyway, as we're communicating in, in chapel, it's over, it's not over. You know, revenge. Oh God, forgive us. Forgive us, forgive us of that bitterness, that anger. That was his last breath. And, I, and the, the thought came to me. Again, speaking, we had this saying, speaking brings healing. Hope. Yeah, it will. It may have to go a while. You may have to work some things through. But go all the way to the end. See, there's going to come some stuff. I don't know why it's like that. It just is. And so again, I have some thoughts. See, I don't like to talk. I don't like to be. A, I don't like anything. But God says that's too bad. I've chosen you. You've got some things to do. What was the last words 
of Jesus, his last dying breath, was not, It's not over! I'll get you guys! Wasn't that wasn't his last breath? Wouldn't it be nice to come to the end of ourselves that we could come to a place like Jesus and Jesus' last breath was, It's finished. It's over, Lord. I'm dead. It's not, I get it. It's finished. Wouldn't that be nice just in Christ's stead to forgive one another? It's finished. You don't have to get your... <laughs> makes a great movie. But, at the end, you know, and I always that was supposed to be a Christian film. Finally, you know, 40 years I'm learning something. And then, you know, Charlton Heston. I, you know, he said, when he, I guess he goes to the Lord in his crucifixion. He says, and I looked at the man. And his last words, well, my, his last, according to him, my last words was, he's finished. Father, forgive them. He said, even at that point, he was able to forgive them. And Charlton Heston says, and I felt the sword take it out of my heart. He wasn't sitting on the table anymore. <laughs> Can we just be with the Lord? It's over. He's already finished the work. Wouldn't it be nice to rest? But the prideful man, the arrogant man, the self-reliant man, the man who knows something, the man who's going to get his, it's not over. He's still, just come to the end of yourself. It's finished. Father, it's finished. I've done what you wanted me to do. It's all about you. Thank you. That was the other song. I was out, I've been out working. Working's a really a good thing. You know, and I know I say I was praying today. I was looking at my hands. My hands are all beat up. They're all scarred. They're really, they're great for scratching my wife's back. I don't have to use my nails. They're just calloused and just, you know, and I'm looking at them. They're really all scarred up. And the thought came to me, you know why they're scarred? I'm building a house. And I thought of the Lord. He's all scarred up. Do you know why? Well, He's building a house. You're supposed to be scarred up. He's building a house with lively stones. We're going to talk about lively stones, living sacrifices. Because there's a problem with dead sacrifices. Dead sacrifices, you're in control of them. You bring dead sacrifice. God's in control of the living sacrifice. Yeah. So He wants us to bring a living sacrifice. Living stones. The problem with living stones is, building with living stones is, they don't like to always be put where they're put. Yeah. Living stones might like to wander, rebel. Well, then we have to come back to the song, He's, a, he's Exalted Above All Gods. Do you have any gods in your life this morning? Well, yeah, you do. Because you're in the flesh. You have some thoughts. Like Aaron was saying, I might not want to be here right now. I might have this in my life. I might have that. I might be doing this. Well, God just needs to be exalted. You know, all those kids. I know all those kids. You know, we could be looking at them in the flesh. It's a problem because you have to look at, look at everybody in the flesh and you know everybody. But Jesus in the New Testament says, we don't know them after the flesh anymore. Oh, wait. I mean, you come to my end of myself? Yeah, but I know. No, you're still laying on the chariot table. You're not laying on the cross that says it's finished. If you're looking after the flesh, you're still trying to get revenge. Jesus wasn't looking after the flesh. He says, it's finished, Father. We've got, we got two tables we could be on. Both are going to be a sacrifice. One's going to be acceptable and one's not. It's finished. Can we just, oh, I forgive you. No, that would mean I, I'm not worthy to take the communion. But he makes me worthy anyway. But wouldn't it be nice to have a relationship with him that we're casting down some other gods? Yeah. So, we're working. You're going to be scarred up because we're building a house who's, you know, where we can worship the Lord. So, as, 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 I, as I'm working, there's this song that I like and I don't like that we sing. I mostly don't like it because it's kind of a, you know... Anyway, you don't want to hear about that. 
Um, it's, before I forget what it is, um, when the music stops. When the music stops. Da, da, what? Yeah, right. Okay, when the music fades away. And I began to think about that. You know, there comes a time in all of our lives that the music fades away. And even the James says it another way. The glory of the grass when the sun comes out fades. You know, Solomon says it another way. When you're young, you know, the glory of a young man, it's fading. All things are fading. Proverbs 31 talks about it. Beauty is vain and this is vain. But, you know, there's some qualities that God's looking for. So the music is going to... Maybe you've, maybe you've come to some chapters in your life where the music is faded away. Well, good. That's a good thing. But I have some... See, I have... My faith, and, and, and Oswald talks about this. I don't know if we'll get to read them. We probably won't have time. But he talks about, you know, our faith is like that song, When You Move In My Heart. If you're down here waiting for God to move, our faith is now not in the Lord, but in our feelings. We trust ourselves. We trust feelings. We trust emotions. And they become idols and gods in our life. And God will bring those to light so that He can be exalted above them. You're going to want to go back to the table. Ah, ah, it's not over. Or we can come and surrender and be in communion. Father, it's finished. It's just finished. I forgive you all your sins. Wow. Well, that doesn't mean your hands aren't going to be scarred. We're building a house you know, where we can worship God in the Spirit. But there comes a time when the music fades. When the music fades. La, da, 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 da. And then there's a, there's a part of that song that says, Lord, forgive me. I wrote it down. For what I've made it. Right? Come on, do you know what I'm saying? Who knows the song? Come on. Who knows the song? Okay, did I say it right? Okay. Not, you know, forgive me for what I've made worship. And then it goes, it's all about you. And I thought that was really life. See, our, our, in Romans 12, it talks about that we're supposed to be a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Let's turn to Romans 12. I know we know it, but we don't know it yet. I beseech you, brethren, I beg you. I believe the Holy Spirit is making intercession for us. I, I know that because the Bible tells me so. Sometimes I know that Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so. Most everything that I should know, the Bible tells me so. And I have a choice at that time to either believe in the Lord or have faith in my feelings. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable under God, which is your reasonable form of worship. Be, be, not, be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the guy that's, it's not over. But be transformed to Father. I forgive them. It's, it's all about you. Father, forgive me for what I've made it. I've come to the Lord. And Paul had the same promises. There was men of God, maybe apostles of God, that had turned back to this present world. There was one people that tried to get people after themselves. These are brothers that worked with them. They forgot what it was all about. When the music fades away. When the last dance at the wedding fades away. You know, I always tell my wife something's really weird. I never married a 60-year-old lady. Well, I'm speaking by, I'm speaking by faith. 
you know. There's some things that come up. Father, forgive me because I made it all. It's all about you. The reason that I'm here, we've been created. All things are created by him and for him and to him. Today, I'm here for one reason, to glorify God. And the sin in my life is selfishness that refuses to submit to God's divine hand in my life and ordering circumstances. He breaks out in my life. While you're in the way, He might want to let you know some things. It's finished, Father. I come to the end of myself just to kind of accept. When we don't accept... We're not repenting. We're not coming to the end of ourselves. It's just an, another form of pride. It's knowing something more than what the Bible tells me so. That's why I am going to read something out of here. Yeah. Christian perfect, perfect, perfection is not and never can be human perfection. Christian perfection is the perfection of a relationship with God, a relationship to God which shows Himself amid the irrelevancies of human life. That's where the music stops. Not up on the mountain. I mean, there's a book out, and I, I just heard this on a tape, and it kind of was one of my, kind of like something I would say, so I, I heard about it. There's a book out when bad, when bad things happen to good people. You ever hear that book? I think it was a famous book. Well, first off, there are no good people. Number one. And number two, you know what's really amazing? That more bad things don't happen to us. It's really amazing that God is just breaking out on us because of our sin and our disrespect and our arrogance and our pride. It's really the mercy of God that we're not consumed. So when bad things happen to you, you deserve it. Number one, and number two, we should say, thank God. Because some, it's not always the music. We enter into a covenant. God makes a covenant with us. And He lives up to that covenant. It costs Him something to make a covenant. We're to enter into that same covenant with God. It costs Him His Son, Jesus. He bruised His Son. And He lives up to that covenant, regardless of what the church and you're going through regardless of how much unbelief is in your life and what you're going through, His covenant price is paid. Now, to enter into a relationship with Him, the covenant on our end needs to be paid. What our work is, we are to do the Word of God. That's our work. That's our work. No matter how irrelevant it may seem to be, when the music stops, fades, when the music fades, I went up to Eureka and there's a few brothers and they were saying something. And again, some, some sayings. He said, yeah, we've been doing this for 35, 40 years and I never expected. This isn't what I expected it to be like. Have you, is this what you expected it to be like? No. But God did. You thought it was all going to be the band was playing. Da, 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 da. No. When the music fades, that's where you're going to find the Lord. It's in these... God shows Himself amid the irrelevancies of human life. When you obey the call of Jesus Christ, the first thing that strikes you is the irrelevancy of the things you have to do. 
Now, we can get all bitter about that and upset and hear the murmurings in your mind. But God makes it real clear. Not many noble were chosen. Not many powerful, mighty. And it even goes on to say, see, how, where, how, and do I glorify God? Well, Jesus, the Bible goes on quite a different few places on how we're to serve God. He speaks to some people who are slaves. These are slaves. What should they do? Serve God right where you are. This is God's will for your life. I don't hear a rousing amen on that. The music fades away. See, Jesus came and and set us free. See, but sometimes we get entangled again with the yoke of bondage and we lay back on that table, railing out hatred and bitterness and and I'm going to get my... Or we can stay under that yoke of sin and that burden of sin or we could actually be set free. I forgive them. It's finished. See, the one who is still under the law, it's never finished. You'd have to prove something, disprove something. But the one who's under grace, here's the word. It's finished. I forgive you. Yeah. So when the music stops, when the music fades, remember, you made it something it wasn't. You made this about Jesus. It was all about you. I thought I was going to be a businessman, a president. I was going to be an African preacher to God. I thought my wife, my kids, my ch- No. Lord, forgive me. It's finished. I thought there was... No, I know you thought. But this is where I'm bringing you. See, it's finished. Lord, forgive me for what I made it because I forgot it's all about you. And the Bible tells me you order my steps. Wow. That's hard to believe. Especially if you're a slave. Has anybody been treated less than fair this week? Anybody here at all? Can I see some hands? Okay, thank you for some honesty. Yeah, according to my according to the gospel of me, I've been treated, you know, whatever. I mean, look at my hands. Most of these scars on my hands is because the inspector told me I had to do something. I gotta just tell you what the inspector told me. Can I mute this? I have, you have to build a stem wall. Stem wall holds concrete that your, your footings, your house sits on. It's, it's made with concrete. I have concrete from laying block that's down in my cells of my block. Are you following me? So there's concrete now in the cells of my block. I have to take that concrete out so I can put concrete in. Well, slave... I actually did pretty good. I mean, I don't want to boast about it, but I was thinking halfway through it. I wasn't cursing and swearing and bitter and wanting the guy, you know, killed and thought this was the stupidest thing. I mean, I did pretty good. I actually did it with some joy. Yeah. I mean, thank God, because I wasn't aware of doing it till the end of the deal. And I said, you know what? I really need to be bitter here because this is about the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You know. Yeah, sometimes God tricks us. Yeah. But anyway... So the irrelevancy. Sometimes the things that you're going through. Have you ever said this? This is the most ridiculous thing. I don't need to be going through this. Oh, yeah. Well, you're just, you're just cursing against God. You're just, God may have to break out on you. Be careful. You might end up dead. I've got to find that scripture. And God broke out in the congregation. We go, oh, hallelujah. 35,000 wiped out. Oh. Yeah, God showed up this morning. 
heard people getting mad, getting upset. Well, he was just showing you you're not with him yet. You might still be on the wrong table. You didn't realize it was... You made it something it wasn't. You thought it was all about you. But it's all about him. So here we have the irrelevancy of life. And he, God is going to talk to us. And see, we, we forget that that's where God really moves. So he's going he's gonna, to... Yeah. Our work, our work is to practice the Word. Where, when, and how. Right now. Right now. I think Aaron was talking about that. This is, we can, and, and we talked about, you know, what Oswald said. You can't serve God where you're not. And God places you in the body as He sees fit. And God ordains your steps and ordains your life and knows the end from the beginning and He's working in a specific eternal purpose in your life. And run all that matters right now, now, in your situation, is will you obey the Word of God and cast down some other gods? No, well, I wish it was better than that. I said, no, it's finished. I'm here for you. Father, forgive me because I made it something it isn't. It's all about you. So in your circumstances, this is why God, when God, when the Bible talks to us, most of the time it's not talking to saints. Now, I know it is in the, in the greater sense, but most of the time it's talking to husbands and wives and children and workers, and bosses, and slaves, and free men, and people that are living in sin and not living. It's talking to you right where you are. And that's where God wants to come. So, where do we practice the Word? Thoughts about yourself hinder the usefulness to God. Have you ever thought about yourself? Where does God usually end up on that picture? Usually against you. Usually He becomes your enemy. You're no longer able to serve God when you're thinking about yourself. Whenever we're starting to think, man, okay, well, man, we're set free, hallelujah. Okay, let me write, there's obviously some problems going on in the church. They're slaves. I mean, we all know that Rome had slaves. Ben-Hur, the whole thing, the basis of the movie was, he was a galley slave. God has a purpose. Slaves, what should you do? Let's bust out of here. Now, you need to serve God. I've got an eternal purpose working. So he's going to be talking to slaves today. He's going to be talking to children. He doesn't say, children, wait until you're 18, get out of your house, and then you can do what you can really... No, children, this is what's expected of you. How many children have some circumstances in your life? Yeah. Well, what are you supposed to do? Practice the Word. Come and know me. Let it be finished right there, because here's where I want to get to know you. Right there. Don't, you know, don't worry till you're 18, 19. Then maybe you're married, you got this. Because he's going to send you. Know, you, know you know how he's going to speak to you when you're married? He's going to speak to husbands. Hey, husbands, this is what you need to be doing. Wives, not saints of the Most High God. This is, hey, this is where you're living. He's going to be speaking to children. He speaks to brethren in the church. He speaks to the conduct in the church. He speaks to workers. He speaks to bosses. That's where the Word of God comes in. And that's where either we can fall on the rock and be broken, or He's going to break out on us. But He's going to be faithful to expose areas in our life 
that are not finished, that are still kicking and wanting their... Well, I think 2 Corinthians 4, 5, something like that. We're supposed to be in Christ's place doing what? In Christ's stead, what should we be doing? Yeah. Yeah, we talk about that in chapel a lot. Yeah. In Christ's place, you're an ambassador for Christ, right? It's not all about you. It wasn't all about Jesus. It was all about His Father. He was here to show the, 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 the mercy and the grace of God. In Christ, as God was in Christ. See, God was in Christ. His will wasn't His own. He didn't do what He wanted to do. He was doing the will of His Father. But what did you see? What did you feel? Who suffered? He did. You look at His hands from building the house. You look at His feet from building the house. You look at His back from building the house. He bears the marks in His body of the love of God. But it was God and Him directing Him that He would say, Father, forgive them. I, in your place, Father, forgive them all their sins. Now, we, in Christ's place, you see how we start to pull back? Oh, Jesus, I'm glad you forgave me. Now, a living sacrifice. No more dead sacrifices. Will you follow me? And Jesus said, if any man would desire to follow me, he must deny himself. Yeah, himself. It's the big one. The self-righteous one. The Peter one. Says, no, don't wash me. I'm not worthy. You're worthy because I said you're worthy. And you're unworthy if I tell you you're unworthy. And if I tell you to shine shoes, you shine shoes. You don't know what's going on, but that's what I'm doing, children, wives, husbands. Stop looking at yourself. You've made it something it isn't. It's all about you, Father. And He puts me in a place. And He says, now, as ambassadors, just like Jesus was the ambassador of the Gospel, in Christ's place, Christ in you. We like that. The hope of glory. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. So we, in all your situations that you're going to find yourself in, students, husbands, wives, children, workers, house builders, whatever it might be, we're to be what? We're going to be in Christ's place. So in Christ's place, see, I mean, what do you see here now? You see me. When you saw Jesus, what did you see? Well, you could see the man. Unless they talk about faith. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That was, you know, that'd be like saying, you're in Christ's place. <laughs> how come you do that then? Yeah, how, come he's, how come he's eating and drinking? How come he's got these dopes? Why does he, how about, why does he let this happen? Well, because our faith is based in our feelings. We're waiting for God to move. And God is saying, it's finished. I've already moved. I've already, I am moving. Your work now is to agree with me and practice the Word in this wonderful situation that I find yourself, that you find yourself in. And the reason you don't think it's wonderful is because you're thinking about thoughts of yourself. You, got, you come up against some other gods that don't, want to, that don't want to relinquish. They don't want to die on the cross. Hey, they want, ah, it's not over, I'll make you mad. No. No. God, forgive us. You know, wouldn't it be nice to say, huh, in Christ's place. Oh, well, you don't look like you. You're not, hey, it's okay. I really don't care. In Christ's place, I forgive you all your sins. What's that another way of saying? Finished. He's already done the work. Whoa. Well, then we might actually be able to get on to what we need to do. See, because the slave, the, the husband, the wife, the friend, we might be able to do all that we do with all our heart, soul, and might. Instead of that cursing inspector. 
maybe that God might be working. Oh, my stupid children, stupid children. Lord, you're working in me. I forgot. Forgive me. I made it something it wasn't. It's all about you. Here I am, Lord. What would you like me to do? You're a slave. Serve your master as unto the Lord. Now, I know if I was a slave, I'd have a problem with that for about the first 40 years. You know, and I'd probably have the marks on my back and face to do it. You might be in a situation right now that God's saying, know me. We might want to get out of the situation like Jonah. God's working. And our work is to practice the Word. It's just that that's it. See, if not, we run up against, and the reason I have to turn back to Luke is because Chris is here today. And, I, you know, he might not know me as well as everybody else. He thought I was actually going to preach on what I said I was going to preach on. I know, I'll keep saying that then if it brings you in. Yeah. But I am. See, what happens is when we don't meditate, and I'm going to eventually get to meditating and, and, the, and the training of our soul, but see, what happens when I forget what it's all about, it's really all about Him, I start to think on some other things. And once I think on some other things, I'm already taken. See, the thoughts of a man, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, the Bible says in Proverbs. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You know, I mean, there's just tons of... But we, we forget. It's so easy to forget because we, we start to know some things. But when, uh, the biggest, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They began to think on things that God told them not to think on. It says when she looked at the tree, she started to perceive something. Hmm, I don't see anything wrong with that. Who do you think? It all became about her. She forgot what it was all about. Lord. And once I start thinking... Guess what? Your point of view, this is the basic point of sin, the root of sin. It's always right in your own sight. Man, as Proverbs says, a fool is always right in his own sight. That's why the Word needs to come from outside you, outside the natural man, outside the revengeful man, outside the man who's not forgiving. That's why the Word of God is so offensive to the natural man. It's so ridiculous. If someone slaps you on the one cheek, turn the other cheek. And you know... When he was talking, he was talk those things were the actual things that were going on. When he was talking about Romans, the Romans oppressed the people. They had to do whatever they said. And you know what Jesus said? Just do it. Do you know what kind of anger and bitterness that would bring up? My, fa- my father's in jail. My mother's been killed by the Romans. They've taken my... It's finished. Can we come to the end of ourselves? Or are we going to keep kicking, you know. But Eve started to think on some things. Started to think about herself. You deserve, I deserve. I think that looks like good to fruit. I don't really care. Those are the gods that God needs to be exalted above. It's all about Him. It's all about you practicing the Word. As much as we can, like I said, in a conscious will. Because if not, I mean, the Bible talks about Jesus being the rock of offense. The Word is an offense to the natural man. And that's what I'm saying. Talking is going to bring that offense. Come to the offense. Don't get offended. Yeah. I've had several times in the last couple of weeks people have walked out on me. And I'm going, you know, that's not what we practice. We don't do that kind of thing. I'm going, wait a minute. That's not, that's not, see, there's got to be something that grabs hold of me. 
that says, you know, I've got to come outside of myself. Because the offense is going to come. But as the talking and the preaching goes on, things are going to come out that bring healing. Yeah, you've got to be offended. Jesus is going to offend you. Because the nat- he's going to break out on you. He's got to kill the natural man. Because the natural man just hates God. Because if not, what's going to happen, as, we, as in Luke's... Luke 9. Luke 9. Isn't that where it is? No, it must be Luke 8. Yeah, Luke 8. Scorn. Like I said, I have the, the opportunity, the privilege, or I don't know, the stupid work or whatever. I get to read in different languages, so it makes things... You know, I have to study a little better. So this, this is what I was reading in my Armenian Bible, and this came out to me. And Jesus is going to come in, and he's going to say something totally ridiculous to you, like stay a slave, like forgive the Romans, like honor your husband, love your wife, the church is beautiful, God's forgiven you all your sins, you're worthy. He might say something that's going to really upset you. He goes, you know better. See, that's, I think that's what was going on here this morning. Some things were spoken. And we got upset because it exposed me. It, Peter got exposed. Don't wash me. You need to get washed. Otherwise, I have no part in It's all about you. See, it's not about you. See, it's not about the cement in the, in the, in the deal. None of those things are there. But once we get a hold of what God is doing as a child, as a husband, as a wife, as a worker, as a co-worker, as a brother, we might be able to do all that we do. And this is what God says. Do all that you find to do because I'm in it. Do it mightily. I'm going to bless and prosper you. I think we can't do what God wants us to do because we're so busy trying to... Ah, it's not over. It's not over. I'll never forgive him. And then they will treat me like this. Jesus then will do the work because it was finished. Wouldn't it be nice to prosper? Wouldn't it be nice to like, actually talk something through and get it done and kind of like, oh, we can actually start you know, laying our hand to something. Hey, there's going to come times you're going to do things wrong. But stop thinking on those things that Eve was thinking about. Stop thinking on those revengeful thoughts. Stop thinking about all about yourself. Father, forgive me. I made it all about me. The music faded away. I thought the dance was going to go on all life. No, not my plan. It's going to fade away and you're going to come to the realization you can't do it. Lord, help me. If not, we're going to come to the place where God is going to speak an offensive word, something that's so stupid, so nasty to you that you are going to be repulsed. Eat my body and drink my blood. The people were sickened. They were disgusted. That Jesus, how dare that man would talk to I would never do, I'll never let a Roman spit in my face. I'll give him what, no one's going to. Oh, God, forgive me. Don't wash me, I'm not worthy. Oh, forgive me. He said it, it's done. You conform to him. Because if not, he's going to come in and say, she's not dead. You might be smarter than God. Excuse me. She's not dead. She's sleeping. And they just ridiculed him. They just ridiculed him and laughed him to scorn. Why? Because they knew better. Do you know better? It means you're not dead. It means you're not dead yet. 
And we're going to end. See, we talked about it a little bit. Come back, you know. Keep coming for the next 40 years. We get to the end of it. Scorn, deadly thing. And we'll get to, you know, Psalms. Psalms 1 teaches us how to get rid of scorn. We start meditating on some other things. We start actually letting God direct my, this life. The life as a slave. The life in this church. The life as a child. The life as a wife. The life as a husband. There are going to be some irrelevant things that he's going to put into your path. Stop. Lord, just do it. And Ezekiel. Ezekiel? Ezekiel spoke to the bones, right? Yeah. He also saw the wheel way up in the middle of the sky. You know that? We'll sing that song too. And God says, he comes to the valley of dry bones. Again, she's, she's, not, she's not dead. Is you, is you, Isaac isn't dead. See, either we're going to go by what God says, Abraham, the story of Abraham and Sarah is so fundamental to the gospel and our faith. Sarah is dead. Her womb is dead, you idiot. She can't have kids when she was 20. She's 90 years old. Well, I'm not going to call you the father of many nations. Are you stupid? Abraham. He might have been a spunky little guy when he was young. Brown-skinned little person. Now it says about him he's 100 years old. No Viagra. (laughs) See? Commercials affect you. I hate those things. God help us. Anyway. Have you noticed they get... Never mind. Forgive me. How stupid of you, God, to talk to him like that. How stupid of you to even ask me to believe that I can have a child. I'll go do what I need to do. I'll get Hagar. When you start acting that it's stupid, good time to fall on your face. Because she's not dead. Not dead. That's kind of she's not dead. Hallelujah. She's asleep. But it's going to come to a, it's going to bring you to a point of ridiculousness. You're going to hate him. Don't let him break out on you then. Fall on him and say, Father, it's finished. Twenty years they're calling him a father of many nations. Do you know the mockery that old man had to be taken? And even, I think, Rebecca or... No, Elizabeth. They used to mock her for not being able to have kids. (laughs) She's praying again. How stupid do you think praying? Oh, God. That's where God's living. He's living in those that can't have babies. He's living in, in your wife and children. He's living in, you know, not getting the guacamole done. He's living in all these things that we don't think, would, you know, can happen. He's living in the kids, you know, that got, oh yeah, they've got their problems. So he's going to say to Ezekiel, bring them, you know where he brings Ezekiel? Not to where the music's playing. The music's faded away. The glory of Israel's gone. They've backslidden. Bring them to a valley of dry bones. Have you been to the valley of dry bones? You might, like the, you might like the people that are weeping. They might just weep for themselves. They don't really want to see her healed, raised from the dead. They just want their pound of flesh. It's not a lie. Just doing, doing a good, you know, self-righteous show. But the Word of God is going to come. He's going to bring them to a hopeless place and says, God's going to say, can these bones live? Ah, you stupid idiot. I haven't do that. You know, Lord. Well, what's he tell Ezekiel to do? Start talking. Prophesy. Prophesy. 
oh, how ridiculous. Oh, the bones can't hear, and I don't have to do that. You're a scorner. Lord, help me. Prophesy to the bones. Guess what? Well, we know the end of that story. We might not. It's the third day. He hasn't risen from the dead. I've been waiting all this time. He's, he's on his way. The words are, you got two beds. It's not over. I have to have it. Or, I'm in Christ's place. Forgive you all your sins. It's finished. See, my, my, it's, it's over. God's ordaining my steps. I'm here for one reason. Either by life or by death, by riches or by poverty, by health or by sickness. He's already entered into the covenant. I am here to practice the Word of God, not be a scorner. Lord, when the music fades, then all that's left is you and the Lord. Father, forgive me, because I made it something it wasn't. I made it all about my goals. Instead of saying, you know, you're able to bring forth an Isaac after the years of mocking, after the years of suffering. Like you said today, you know, what's, what's David doing? Shepherding the sheep. Irrelevant nonsense. You're going to be so angry. See, those words don't mean anything else. Walk the extra mile. Nobody in this country, I don't think, knows the real meanings of persecution anymore. We used to. We used to. I mean, I remember having, you know, seeing colored black bathrooms. It was a real perplexity. I had to ask my dad which one we went into. But that he's going to bring up those things because they'll have to be cast down until all that remains is, it's all about you, Lord. I want to see Isaac raised from the dead. I want to see these bones raised from the dead. I want to see God glorified. I don't want to go around in my own strength being a scorner. I want to start meditating. Hopefully we'll start on that next week, maybe. Psalms 1. There's some things. Like I said, you know, sometimes we find my meditation. Where, where have I been all week? What am I thinking about all week? God breaks out on me. You might have to kill something in your life. Amen? So my encouragement would be, first off, it's finished. I forgive you all your sins. In Christ's place, I wouldn't have any power to do that, would you? I don't want... It's, it's over. It's finished. And communicate. Let's start, let's start being hypocrites. Can we be some hypocrites? Abraham was a hypocrite. Father of many nations is what his name means. For 20 years, walking around, he didn't have any kids. Father, let's be a hypocrite. God wants to raise up good, faithful hypocrites. People that are able to speak the word and go through the offense and get to something so we can actually, like, actually start prospering in what God has us to do. Amen. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord.